to the races. Today we're talking, um, do a quick review of Rudy's Barbecue. Rudy's. Rudy. Rudy. Amen. Um, we're going to talk about an article that we both um, uh, read called The Six-Way Fracturing of Evangelicalism that must be kind of going around because a friend of mine, good friend of mine sent it to me a couple months ago. Yeah, and then I had a friend of mine send it to me this week. So I'm thinking it's it's probably popular uh, yep. go, going around. But but really, this when we talk about this article, this is not like a we poured over the article and you know some big response is more of a rant. Okay? Yes. And this may be a repeating segment as we try to figure out what our staple segments are, which is a time that we can just kind of riff and rant a little bit. Maybe that's what it'll be called, riffing and ranting. I like that when we riff and rant. So. Listen, if we read the article again and then in a couple of podcasts issue a retraction, don't be surprised. Okay. Um, but it's kind of like a first impression. You know, if you caught us off guard on a Sunday morning and said, Hey, have you read that article? And it's like, Yeah, I read it Tuesday. Here's my quick thoughts. Yeah, that's good. Um, and then we're going to kind of segue from that and talk about. Uh, the gospel on the ground in a particular fruit that really relates to everything we're going to talk about the article about why. Uh, the, the fruit of, of keeping the main thing the main thing, yeah. which is the gospel. The fruit of that in actual community, on the ground, how it affects relationships, how it affects local churches. Divisions are running in, in the local church. This is on our mind because this, this is our world yeah. as pastors. And so, um, uh, anyways, Rudy's. So that's Rudy's. what we're going to do today. So I had the uh, turkey... Quarter pound turkey and quarter pound brisket, moist, bark, so good. And the beans. Oh. <laughs> Rudy's is like, if you like barbecue and you know that you're going to get great quality barbecue every single time and you don't want to chance anything and you just want, I mean, you're in the mood for a barbecue, you're hungering for barbecue and you want some really good stuff. Rudy's is just Easy a go-to yeah. place. Easy, easy go-to place for me. Yeah. Super consistent. I've been, Rudy's has been uh, my favorite since high school. I don't, when I was in high school, it wasn't, I don't think uh, as around as much for my birthday. My dad, I remember drove like, I don't know, 30 or 45 minutes uh, to go get some for me for my birthday. Yeah. Was, I think it's a lot more popular now, but um, so I've been doing that and I'm like pretty loyal. You know what I mean? When I find my thing that I like, it's yeah, kind of like- too. Uh, and Rudy's is that way. You can't go wrong. I don't know if I've ever had a, a meal from Rudy's that I was like, ooh, that was off today. Yeah. It's just like, you know exactly what you're going to get. Um, I had a half pound of brisket and it was Rudy's. It was yeah. great. It was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, now, I will say this. Because I've been thinking about it more doing these reviews, I like guest brisket better. Yeah. I think it's got a bit more flavor mm -hmm. and, and it's more moist yes. and, and juicy. Yes. Um, but again, Rudy's is like my first love. You yeah. know what I mean? You pick on Rudy's, it's like we got a problem, right? right. I'll let guess. Right. I'll so let would, guess would you take, on Would you take the, which barbecue sauce would you take though? I like Rudy's barbecue <laughs> sauce better. Yeah. I mean, I'm so, yeah, Rudy's. You know? Rudy, nothing, nothing beats Rudy's to me. Yeah. Their barbecue sauce. I mean, sauces. I like the barbecue, but I, I'm with you. The brisket. Uh, I guess is is number one for me. Yeah, I think um, so. And I think too, there's a common thread here. There are some, and I won't name them, but there are some very popular barbecue places in town um, that boil their meat. Yeah. And uh, 
once you've tasted the, <laughs> the yeah. difference, yeah. you can't go back. You can't go back to that. You can't go back to Uncle Dan's. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. Right. Gosh. I know, man. Um, uh. Yeah. Uh, all right. Whatever. You can hear the haters now, and they're like, Rudy's. Uh, it's like, you know, a chain. Blah, yeah, blah, blah. yeah. You know what? Um, this podcast is free. You can go listen to another podcast. That's what you can do. That's right. Um, all right. Six-Way Fracturing of Evangelicalism Yeah. Uh, by Skylar Flowers. Um, this is on, I think, Christianity Today's website, which I like. I never go there. I just had this article uh, sent to me. Um, very well written, yeah. clearly researched article. Essentially, the article is um, uh, trying to observe what's going on with the fracturing of evangelicalism. Right. Um, so they, they state that, quote, evangelicalism is fracturing. And so they try to dive into why and, and really what the fracture lines are, what the fault lines are. Yeah. Um, so they say we're in a season of self-sorting, kind of sorting out essentially what we unify over in the church. And so we're going to probably hit two main points here as we kind of riff and rant on this, but we'll kind of start with this quote and then you can kind of go. Yeah. Uh, they say, quote, the reality is that while many in the evangelical movement thought their bonds were primarily or exclusively theological or missional, many of those bonds were actually political, cultural, and socioeconomic, end quote. Um, hmm. So they say that, uh, that quote, where people will continue to self-sort themselves into the type of church, church that best fits their animating and core concerns, end quote. So point being, and then I'll let you kind of riff. Yeah. Um, they basically say, you know, a lot of the evangelical movement thought its, quote, core concerns were theological or missional. However, people in the evangelical movement world are finding really their core concerns are political, cultural, socioeconomic. So give your thoughts. Yeah, I, I, um, we're ranting and riffing, correct? I, I absolutely disagree with that. Um, I disagree with it because it, it seems to me that the church is exactly fracturing over the mission and message of the church. Mm -hmm. So in his language, that would be theological, missional. Um, it seems that, uh, cultural, political, uh, is the occasion. Um, and it's interesting that, uh, the way he's writing actually seems to be making a case that he is more thinking politically, socially, culturally, uh, as opposed to the mission and message of the church. So, we would say, I would say, the mission and message of the church is really, really clear, and it's about one thing, and that's the gospel. And one thing that's absolutely certain in today's culture in the church is that we're not clear about that. Absolutely not mm -hmm. clear. Um, we would say things like uh, the mission and the message of the church has turned into many multi-formed expressions of law, uh, big L law, if that happens to be God's law, uh, or the little L laws of life, which you make up your own or the culture determines one of their own. Uh, it seems to me that CRT um, and race have become the new mission and message mm -hmm. of the church. And so that's a, that's a theological issue. That's a gospel issue. And so in, in the world of law and gospel, that mission is law. 
and it, it may or may not even be God's law. Uh, we would probably argue it has nothing to do with God's law. It actually has something to do with a CRT version of what law is, injustices and injustices. So uh, right from the beginning when I read this, first I thought when I first saw the title, I said, yeah, that's what Vodi has said. So it's kind of mm-hmm. taking that language, building on it. But Vodi wrote a whole book that evangelicalism is actually fracturing over what is core concerns, law gospel issues. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And this guy is arguing that it's not core concerns, it's sociological, political. So uh, definitely, definitely disagree with that. Um, And I think he doesn't help his case uh, because he doesn't push into what are the core realities of the mission and message of the church. So there's, those are never defined. They're, they're lamented that we're not unifying or dividing over them. But then in that article, we don't even know what that is. And then the only, um, the only evidence and the only exposition that's being written and described and uh, bemoaned and lamented is political, social, economic realities. Mm-hmm. So that's my take right yeah. off the bat. Yeah, I mean, I think that, and I, I don't necessarily know exactly what the author, Skyler, which I don't know if it's a guy or a girl. Do you know? I don't know. I don't care. I just, you're yeah. saying he, um, he or she, the author, I'll say the author, it, it seems like, and, and I wonder this, if it's almost like, no, 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 we, we all do think that the mission and the message is this, but we have just it's actually not the top priority. Right. It's actually not the core concern. Really, the top priority is this. And I think what you're saying and what I agree with, and especially if the purpose of the article is to even communicate this, is what I do see is, well, wait a minute. It's not just that we agree on the message and mission, but prioritize it differently. Yeah. I would say no, and I'm agreeing with what you're saying. Actually, I'm finding that I I think that there are fracture lines regarding what our message is and what our mission is among groups that we have thought for the past decade were in agreement. Yes. So we know that in the church there are fractures and there are divisions regarding what the principal message is and what I would I would use the Bible's language, 1 Corinthians 15, what is of first importance, okay? We've known that, right? Lots of different churches, denominations, whatever. But among groups in the past decade that seemed to be on the same page of the first things of what's of first importance, yeah. that's where we're seeing these fault lines. To use Vody Bauckham's language, mm-hmm. Vody Bauckham, author of Fault Lines, pastor, missionary, um, uh, it, there seem to be fault lines there among uh, in in the actual message. What is of first importance in our message? What is the mission of the church, right? Like I've heard the church mission be described as essentially the spearhead is works and works of justice. And yes, we preach the gospel along with them. Mm-hmm. Well, the same people saying that that's the mission of the church and that's the best way to describe it five, 10 years ago would have said, no, the mission of the church is to the spearhead is to preach the gospel and do works of justice and mercy as we do that. Yeah. So it's like, oh, that's interesting. As the, the fruit. The, the missions, the, the whole way we think about the church's missions seems to have changed. Yes. There seems to be fractures there. There seems to be fractures even in terms of like, y- you know, okay, well, I, I'm, I, I'll hear certain people explain the cross of Jesus using really common social justice terms. And I go, 
you know, I don't want to throw the heresy stone like without it being very clear, right? right? I'm not that kind of guy. But I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. What what do you mean by that? Yeah. When you said that about the cross in chapter 7, what did you mean by that? Yeah. Are, are we are we drifting from substitutionary atonement here? Are we drifting from the propitiation? Are we drifting from what the gospel is? Yeah. Um, so anyway, whether that's kind of what, what this is saying, it seems to be maybe implying that. Yeah. Um, and uh, and also, I'll just say this as I riff on this first point, and then I'll throw it back to you. Yeah. That, you know, we say things like, and I was saying this before we hit the record button, we say things like we're dividing politically, we're dividing culturally, we're dividing socioeconomically. I would take issue with that because um, it's easy to say certain things like that. Um, and and uh, this is not a, a shot at the author. This is a very well thought out, intelligent, like, re- like uh, article. Um, but it is easy to say things like that and kind of no one, no one asks any further questions. Like, can you show me an example of that? Mm-hmm. I would be hard pressed to be able to find a church that has somehow divided along like income levels. Right. <laughs> I just, I don't know Right. I, I, if I right. right now in our city, yeah. if I went to the nearest 10 churches, yeah. Or, or just pick any, I'll let any human pick 10 random churches. Yes. I am extremely confident that 10 out of 10, I will be able to find um, not just one person in every income level, right? Yeah. But like whole groups. Yeah. A, a whole sampling of people who, who, who are desperate for more income and a whole sampling of people who have lost count of how much money they have. Right. I don't see that happening. I don't see, I would be hard pressed to find more than, I mean, yes, there are some famous churches that every election season, they'll tell you who to vote for. Right. Okay. Right. There's always outliers. With, without a doubt. But in my church pastor world, yes, I, I don't think I could name one church in my city mm-hmm. that I could go, if you go there, they'll tell you who to vote for. I have had several conversations where I, people have described the person the um, the political, the cultural, the social person that they're against, uh, that they uh, have a problem with. And literally I've said, I don't know anyone like that. Yes. Um, yeah. I don't know yeah. any church that has an American flag behind their pulpit. Yeah. I don't know any church that's engaged in this Christian nationalism yeah. that you're talking yeah. about. Uh, I don't know people that you're... Yeah talking about and so i wonder again uh certainly that that would be called a straw man right you create this thing this caricature that doesn't exist uh and then you dice it up right Uh, i'm not saying that that's what this person is doing but i am saying if we're riffing right (laughs) that a lot of that is going around and it's interesting to me that it's always in one political direction yeah so the people that are actually crying, decrying and lamenting the Christian nationalism or the fundamentalistic uh, conservative, whatever it is that they're ranting against, are themselves political activists. They're just in a progressive way. Yeah. Right. And again, that is very disingenuous. And uh, to argue and look at the world through a, a racial, cultural, political lens um, and what did you say? Self-signaling, not self-sorting. Self-sorting. Yeah. That they're self-sorting that way. 
Uh, and then the article is itself doing the same thing is really quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's where I just, I, I kind of reading into this and I see the hop, skip and jump that f- can follow it. Yeah. The, the article, in my opinion, does not do this, but I see it happen all the time where there's this hop, skip and jump, um, to, um, that, that there are only certain socioeconomic groups that if they all banded together in an exclusive church, yeah. we would not condemn them. Right. So if, if, for instance, a bunch of, um, I, I don't know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of something without like, without offending anybody. Yeah. Without, without, uh, like if, if lower income, if a bunch of lower income people yeah. got together and said, we're going to do a church, the, the, the broader culture wouldn't be like, that's so exclusive. Right. If a bunch of rich people did that, we would go, that's exclusive. That's exclusive. Right. We condemn that. Right. It's this weird double standard. So there's this hop, skip and a jump, uh, that sometimes you go, are you, are you kind of implying that maybe the rich, and I'm just using the socioeconomic kind of the income level to get really specific. Are you kind of implying that maybe like the rich are kicking out the poor, right? That the rich are drawing dividing lines because in my church we have wealthy people, right? That if you're going to attack and say, are in, there's something inherently wrong with them or that we gonna have problems. Yeah. And we have people in our church that need financial support and they are struggling. Yeah. And if you attack them because of that, we're yep. going to have problems. Yes. Right. Right. So anyway, um, I, I think this is where I'm riffing and ranting to make my long winded deal come to an end is I don't. I think that the fracturing lines are a bit more specific, and I agree with you. I think yeah. that by and large they are along the lines of CRT and this new, you know, what uh, cynical theories. The book, great book, calls social justice theory. Yeah, I think that's where it's at, without a doubt. Um, Whether it's stated and conscious or it's subconscious right now, and it's an ever elusive, ever evolving idea. Yeah. this yeah. world, these theories are ever evolving and yeah. ever elusive. The other thing I'd be interested to get your take on too, um, my my thought in some of these, like I think at the beginning of this article, he lists all these these uh, incidents, these events, because I'm trying to be as neutral as I can in describing them. Everything from COVID to uh, uh, what else? Uh, January 6th to um, George Floyd, and maybe there were a couple un- other things. Um, but a lot of these events uh, are being interpreted, right? Are being seen, and everyone is dividing over a cultural, political mm-hmm. lens, right? But I wonder how much of it's moral. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many of these events are not to be seen politically. They're actually to be seen morally. Mm-hmm. Like, was that evil or not? Yeah. Um, is this a moral issue, what's happening on our border or not? Mm-hmm. Not just what do conservatives yeah. say about the border? What do Democrats say about the border um, or conservatives, progressives? But is what's happening down there, is that a moral thing going on down there? Is the human trafficking and the drug realities and uh, the 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 ownership of properties of folks that live in that area and those towns being over to, is this a moral thing or not? Or are we only to interpret it in a, in a political cultural thing? Right. Uh, what happened to George Floyd? Was that a moral thing or was that a purely yeah. political 
uh, racial thing. What, what, what happened, right? We can go through all these type of things. So I also want to rant over many of the things that are happening in our society. Well, even the, what's happening in Afghanistan. Is this moral or not? Right. If it's moral, put your daggum politics aside, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, have the guts and the courage to actually call it what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to be able to say, for instance, in certain events, you could be interpreting it through a particular justice lens, right? Mm-hmm. So then it goes back to, well, how do we know if it's moral or not? And that's where we go back to God's law. And we go back to what's written not only on the human heart and it's the very spiritual fabric of the universe, but God tells us mm-hmm. this is the moral fabric mm-hmm. of the universe. Mm-hmm. Are those things being decimated? That's injustice. Are yeah. those things being violated? That's where it's a moral issue. So yeah. I think too, we need to possibly bring a little more of that into some of these events, little less of your political ideological critical theory, social theory, whatever lens. Well, and and again, that begs the question of going like, again, I don't know what the article assumes, but, um, but is there an assumption that we, no, we all are in agreement over the mission and the message. We're just, we're just putting politics over it. And so even that begs the question of like, well, maybe we, maybe we're not clear. Maybe we're not near as clear on the message to get specific. Maybe we're not very clear on what is God's law. Uh, what is um, justice? Yeah. Yep. What is God's gospel? And we're maybe we're not very clear on the mission. Is the mission of the church, is the spearhead of the mission of the church the law and moral transformation? Or is the spearhead mission of the church the gospel and the proclamation of the forgiveness of sins by the life, death, and resurrection? So, resurrection of Jesus. So, that's kind of what I think we're in agreement riffing here is going. Hey, I think we need to take a really, really hard look at what do we think is of first importance when it comes to the message of the church, and what do we think is of first importance when it comes to the mission of the church. I think that will help sort out a lot of what is actually fracturing, where is it fracturing, why is it fracturing, and it gets into um, to the solution. For time's sake, very quickly, we'll segue into kind of talking about the gospel on the ground and and really almost kind of uh, in positive here with what we think and also experience in our own church. But they say that this fracturing need not be viewed as wholly negative. I think this is kind of where you come from, and I bit eye to a little bit of going, is this article almost being written to do what it almost simultaneously is kind of condemning, which yeah. is it's almost trying to sort and saying we're self-sorting and this isn't all bad. Right. And I would go, man, I mean, yes, the church is going to be divided in these ways uh, until glory, Right. Um, we're going to have differing views on different things, but I would go, man, most of what I see with this fracturing and these fault lines and these divisions, um, is, is just a lot of times not civil, not, not respectful. Um, it, it, most of what I see is wholly negative. Most pretty of what toxic. I see, pretty, pretty messy, pretty nasty. Yeah. Like you think of like you know, a letter that, that you and I have received in the mail. Like it just, it's not like this real respectful, like, Oh, this is just kind of this self sorting. Yeah. No, it's kind of quickly devolved into, Hey, where's the gospel? Yeah. Hey, I think, Hey, where's, where's grace? Where's, um, yeah. Where's God's word? Where's God's law? 
did we just kind of ditch all that stuff for yeah. our own law and our own gospel and our own miss it, m- mission and message? And yeah, um, I, I don't know that 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 we're in this cute season. The article didn't say cute. Okay, this right. is me getting extreme here. Right, right. Let me just rant. Yes, but we're not in this kind of neat little season of of self sorting. This seems a little bit nastier. It does. I mean, it, it yes, it does. It's been yeah, it's a pretty toxic environment. So on the the uh, boots on the ground, yep. gospel on the ground, reality or segment transitioning there. I think what is, uh, for my sake of looking back of 20 years of planning this church and, uh, and really at the very beginning, thanks to Dr. Hannah, just beating into us through church history, amazingly, uh, that the gospel is the mission and the message. And that you remember we've said over and over again that C.S. Lewis says lovers look at each other and admire each other. Uh, I don't need a lover. I have mine, <laughs> right? And I, I need friends. And he says friends are those that stand side by side, all looking at one thing, the mm-hmm. same thing, and saying, what, you too? Mm-hmm. Uh, so after 20 years, Dr. Hannah giving me a gospel vision, knowing that that's what the church is all about, the mission and message of the church is Jesus and his comprehensive salvation, period. Uh, whether you understand and whether I understood at that time, which I did not, the full implications of that, that's the trajectory, that's the direction, that's the first, foremost, utmost thing of the church. Uh, and now after 20 years of, of maintaining that, uh, the fruit of that has been phenomenal. And uh, so in one sense, uh, there are many fracturings going on, fault lines going on, and yet I am so encouraged that we are incredibly healthy mm-hmm. uh, and seeing incredible gospel fruitfulness. Um, and I'm so thankful. We, can, we could talk about how the gospel has produced uh, a culture of leadership, how the gospel's produced a culture within the church of friendship and making friends and having gospel conversations, a culture of being unshockable, a culture of learning to work through relational conflict, right? A culture of that, a culture of uh, actually praying and seeing God create opportunities for others to be reached and renewed by the gospel. Um, And an ability to be able to see what's fixed and what's flexible. Uh, Those are some of the... um, some of the incredible things that are happening under the fruit of the gospel that I think when the mission and the message of the church stays on course, even in such times as these, uh, we don't, we don't shake off that. We're like, what you too, we're still caught in the wonder and the power, mm-hmm. uh, of Jesus and him crucified mm-hmm. of a comprehensive salvation of good news, not good advice. And, that there's divine life and divine power, that the gospel doesn't need our help, um, and that is loaded with fruit. So anyhow, mm-hmm. to end this segment, I am greatly encouraged by uh, 20 years, 20-plus 20 years of looking at a gospel vision and a gospel mission and a gospel message of how that Jesus and him crucified has held us together, that that's mm-hmm. what unifies that's what connects us with God, connects us with each other, and connects us to a real gospel mission in Waco. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyhow, 
final thoughts. Yeah, I um, I know for me, I experience the gospel on the ground and the real power of the gospel on the ground when it's not just the thing that got me in the kingdom, you know, way back when um, that I've kind of forgot about, but when we all are keeping it of first importance, holding fast to the word of life, you know, this is something the New Testament just talks about again and again. It's of first importance. We hold fast um, to the gospel. Um, like this is a very specific example, but uh, there are conflicts you can have in the church and disagreements you can have in a local church, like real people in a local church, not beefing on Twitter, but like actually talking in right. person. There are conflicts that can go really south where there's there's no, there's it doesn't reconcile, it doesn't end in peace. And, um, and in my experience, a lot of times it's because we seem to be looking at two different focal points. Yeah. There seems to be two totally different objectives in our anchor. Like if we have the same focal point, we can figure out how to kind of keep moving on the path together. Yes. But a lot of times in in, in kind of the more um, uh, sad and disappointing conflicts and breakups that inevitably happen in, in local churches, a lot of times I go, man, what was a common denominator? What, what, what seemed to be like a foundational, fundamental piece to why that went that way? And I go, man, I think we were looking at two different things. I think that one party thought that in this thing, somehow the gospel is of first importance. Somehow Jesus and his grace is of first importance in this issue. And the other one maybe would say that, but but certainly didn't act like it, right? Now, on the flip side, there are people in our church that will talk to me or email me and they'll have a disagreement about something. And it could be something big, significant, but they're gospel people. And, and they will be able to present that disagreement in such a respectful, tender, gracious, gentle way that honestly, like their disagreement could be like, hey, Colin, you're the dumbest person I've ever met. And I would be like, honestly, I think you're right. right. You know, like, <laughs> right. do you want my position in the church? Like, what do, what, what do I need to do yeah, now? You right, know? right, right. But because it's like, hey, we're, we're both looking at Jesus. We might have totally different viewpoints on this thing. Yeah. But like, we're on the same team. And so before all of it, we're fiercely committed to figuring yep. it out. Whatever yes. it is, we just know, hey, we both believe in Jesus we both have um, the same message, the same mission. We we agree on what the spearhead of the mission is. Yeah, and so we're we're just um, already committed to to him, to the gospel, uh, and therefore to one another, to loving each other, to forgiving each other, uh, to being gracious. And those kind of conflicts, man, somehow they end up working out. Yeah, I mean, it's so good, so good. Yeah, there's this freedom that the gospel gives to actually allow us to disagree and still be friends. Yeah. And so I, that's where I wonder, where's that missing piece today in the right. church, right? Um, of course, we're going to disagree on a lot of this stuff. You could disagree politically, right? I mean, yeah. there could be a church that is, that is gospel-driven, that's mission and message is the gospel, can have differing political opinions and preferences in the same church. Yeah. Differing cultural positions and preferences in the church. Differing socioeconomic and racial, right? That 
is what a gospel church does yeah. because the gospel is what unifies us. Yeah. But what I'm finding, what I think is being exposed today is that the gospel is not the mission and message of the church. That's why we're fracturing. Yeah. Yeah. We're fracturing over law. We're not fracturing over gospel. Well, we are because if we don't have the gospel, the law immediately, however it's defined and however it's employed and whatever the latest mission and message is today, according to the latest theory or ideology or political platform. Um, yeah. We'll end with, we'll end with God and his word. I think this will be good. That's good. First Corinthians 15, Paul says, now I would remind you brothers of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you. Wait, did it say being saved? Is that present tense? Yes. Present tense. Received, past, in which you stand, present, by which you're being saved. Moving into the future, verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. By the way, Paul's saying this to people who already know these facts. Right. They already believe them, actually. He's saying this to Christians. He's saying they not only know them intellectually, they believe them. And he's saying, let me remind you again. Why? Because it's of first importance that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And he goes on. So uh, that is what is of first importance for the message and the mission of the church.